Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. I'm here in our online studio with Charles Hedman. Charles has nearly 15 years of experience working with youth in both parachurch and in a church-based context. He oversaw the youth ministry at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. for most of the last decade, and is currently taking a sabbatical from pastoral ministry as he and his family care for an ailing family member. Charles, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. So as we dive into the topic today about youth ministry and ecclesiology, teenagers in the life of the church, really excited to be having that conversation with you. Uh, But before we dive into the topic, it's always fun to hear from our guests a little bit about their teenage selves. So Charles, uh, what were you into as a teenager? Any sports or clubs or theater or anything like that? What were you, what type of teenager were you? Yeah, definitely not theater. Uh, I, I was uh, I was a big athlete, uh, so played uh, basketball, baseball, football, ran track. Um, basketball and football became my main kind of hobbies and passions. I was the guy, like, after after school, would be, you know, if it wasn't in season, I'd be practicing three hours a day, basketball or training for football, that sort of thing. And so uh, that became almost my obsession in, in, a, in, a, in a negative way. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. During uh, during high school, but um, but that was where I spent most of my time. I didn't have much of a social life because I was I was training uh, each, yeah. each and every day, which I enjoyed. Um, uh, my parents may not have uh, in terms of the uh, the energy <laughs> that it took to do that, but uh, that was uh, that was where my passion lied. Nice. So basketball was your main. Is that what you said? Uh, it was basketball and football. Yeah, basketball, football, football became. Yeah, football yeah. was. I, I wanted to play uh, football in college, but uh, but okay. I think my, my main. My main love at that time was was basketball, uh, actually. So uh, the two, the two, you know, different seasons, different different times of the yeah. year. So the both yeah. kept me kept me pretty busy. Yeah, it's crazy now where kids basically have to choose which sport are they going to commit themselves to nowadays. And I just think like multi sport athletes just aren't really a thing anymore. Yeah. It's just kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah, my son's a really good athlete, and uh, yeah. They, <laughs> The different sports are trying to get him to isolate on their particular sport because they want yeah. to make him good, and I appreciate that. But yeah. I think uh, you know, it's, it's different. It's different from my generation when when you played everything, and yeah. you know, different athletic abilities kind of developed from playing the different sports. And so I, I, I think I was a better rounded athlete than a lot of people were today because I, I just had different skill sets that that you're right. uh, you, that you don't have when you specialize in a particular particular uh, uh, athletic event or sport. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's true. So I, um, so this is the first time we have um, seen each other over video together, right? But we, yes. we've we've talked off and on a bit for a number of years, and I have a confession. So I think about you frequently while watching hockey because of Victor Hedman. Hedman, yes, and yeah. yeah. So m- my son Matt is obsessed with the Bruins and all things NHL and despises the lightning. Um, <laughs> so every time Victor Hedman comes up, 
was like, oh, I know, I know a headman. Yeah, it's the only headman I know, other than other than our family. I, my my dad's side uh, basically is all past, and so uh, when I see a headman, I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, there's a there's another headman, and he's apparently very very large, isn't he? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's a big defenseman. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's a beefy dude. So <laughs> if you don't have one yet, you, you got to get a a headman jersey. Yeah, that's a good idea. I need to get that. So. That's good. We're not a hockey family. I need to be. Uh, my son likes it, uh, yeah. but, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I've heard of such things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, youth ministry and the church, uh, not often things that naturally go together, except that churches pay youth pastors and provide the budget for a youth ministry. And um, so it's, it's one of those sad realities that I, I think uh, a lot of youth groups function as a parachurch ministry that is paid for and sponsored by the local church. Um, and so there's not often a ton of integration. Thankfully, there's more conversation about intergenerational ministry and um, connecting the church and the youth ministry and plugging teenagers into the church, not just the youth group. So I'm encouraged um, by those conversations in, in the last few years. But as as someone who's been serving in youth ministry for around twenty years, um, yeah, it, it's it's a conversation that needs to take place, right? What what is the role of the church in our ministry to youth? Even if, if you're a parachurch ministry, what is the role of of the church in d- student discipleship? So, yes. um, yeah, it's just it, it's a necessary and a, an important conversation. Um, because youth ministry is for adolescents, right? It is. They're going to graduate, and they're going to graduate from our ministry. Um, The family is for life, uh, but the church is for eternity. Uh, And so how are we plugging uh, students, more than just plugging in students into the church, how are we unfolding students into the church? So, uh, Charles, why, why is this such an important topic for us to consider? Yeah, so many different ways to go about this. But if you think of you know, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, uh, we're called to reach the nations. Uh, well, the nations are, are right under our feet oftentimes, right? They could be our kids. They could be a uh, member's kids. Uh, they could be an adolescent that's down the road, down the street, somebody in our, our local community. Uh, that's where the nations begin. Um, yeah. we, we, to, to, start, to try th- to think of, of how we accomplish Matthew 28 without first going to that which is right aside of us or below us, uh, would be kind of, kind of silly. And so the, I think the church has a has a, a unique opportunity and a strategic advantage, you could say, by having opportunities with these kids, having access to these children uh, that become youth uh, in a very uh, important time of their life. And so you have access to these children, to these youth, at a particular time in their life where they're being influenced by the world, they're being mm-hmm. influenced by their peers, they're being influenced by you know, uh, TikTok, you, you name what they're being influenced by. And we are an influencer uh, organization as well as the church. And so we have this got this, this awesome opportunity to fulfill our commission, uh, our Matthew 28 commission to reach the nations by going to these children, these youth. And so the question is, how, how best do you do that? Yeah. Um, and I think for so long, and you and I have talked about this, for so long, the, uh, the church has kind of bifurcated uh, uh, ministry, right? So, okay, youth mm-hmm. is over here, church is over here. Uh, the two have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. Uh, but I would argue, and as we talked about, the Matthew 8, 28 commission of the church extends down to, the, to that youth, whether it be through evangelism, 
or eventually through discipleship. Because as we know, Matthew 28 talks about both evangelism and discipleship, yeah. right? Yeah. Go and make disciples of all nations. So yes, we have to first evangelize, but after we evangelize, that's not where we stop, right? We, right. we have to disciple as well. Yeah. And so we want to go to the nations. We want to go to those youth around us, whether they be, again, children of, of uh, parents in our congregation, or they be the kid down the street that knows one of our kids. Uh, we're called to go and evangelize and then disciple. And why would I want to bifurcate that and give that a separate ministry and make it completely separate from the church when I myself, as a member of this local church, am called to do that? And so mm-hmm. as, at its basic level, the ecclesiology of youth ministry is, is integrated and kind of comes alongside and, and really factors into this Matthew 28 commission that we're all, we've all been given as, as church members. Yeah, yeah. Amen, brother. All right, yeah. So as we talk about integrating students into the life of the church, that, that word integration can be a loaded term sometimes, and people misunderstand what you do and don't mean by it. So when... When we're talking about integrating students into the life of the church, uh, could you just reflect a little bit on what we do mean by that and maybe even what we don't mean? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you think of integration on a spectrum, uh, on one side of the spectrum, it is uh, fully integrated models where there is no youth group, there is no youth programming. It, you have the children, you have the youth only and fully in all of the church services. There's nothing separate for them. On the other end of the spectrum is uh, complete uh, non-integration, and that is, okay, we're, we're not going to have the children, we're not going to have the youth as part of the services whatsoever. We're going to have a separate church service for them. We're going to have a, a separate youth ministry for them, a separate church ministry or um, uh, a child ministry for them. Um, when, when you and I talk about integration, we're, we're not on either side of that spectrum. We're right. talking in the middle. We're trying yeah. to take the best of both worlds. Uh, what we're trying to see is we're trying to bring in the good aspects of the church, the best aspects of the church for the, for the youth, but also then provide them with something more uh, for their age group. Uh, we've all been teenagers before, I think, right? And we all know that that's a, it's a difficult time. It's a, it's a strange time. Uh, there, are, there are pressures uh, on us as teenagers that are, we're not, that honestly, we don't face when we become adults. Yeah. Uh, I was not a teenager during the TikTok era, during this uh, Instagram era. Uh, I would, I would, I would hate to see what my life would be. Oh man! Uh, considering I was a, I was a pagan at that time, um, but now these kids have all this pressure on them, have all these yeah. things coming at them, and in ways that we don't have. And I think many parents don't even fully understand. I know I right. certainly don't understand as someone even who's worked with children for as long as I have. Um, they need an outlet. They need uh, individuals that they can they can talk to on a peer level uh, that they can have uh, spiritual conversations with, theological conversations with. It's, it's, uh, they need someone across the room that they say, hey, they're going through the same thing I am, that they're mm-hmm. interested in the same things that I am, but hey, we can have a conversation about Jesus together. Yeah. Um, and so you, not only that, but we need a, a place where the messages can be applicable to their lives, uh, that, that the application of the sermon or the application of the teaching goes to exactly what they're dealing with mm-hmm. in their stage of life. And so yeah. by this integrated model, what we're saying is, look, we want you to come to the services, the church services. We want you to fully invest in the life of the church to the extent that you can as a member or non-member. But we also want to provide this other resource to you and for you that allows you to cooperate with us in a different way, uh, that allows you to, to understand the word in a different way, that allows you to 
uh, interact with other kids your age in a particular way that you just can't do during a regular church service or in the ordinary life of the church. And so you're trying to integrate both things. It's not an either or, it's a both and always. Right, yeah, totally agreed. And there, there is a range in that middle space, right? So if on, on either sides you have at the extreme, um, there, there's a range <laughs> in the middle. So I don't think either of us would necessarily advocate for one particular model of ministry as the biblical way to to integrate students into your church. Um, but <laughs> there is a range, but you got to really be deliberate about doing that and having a plan with your church leadership and with your elders and um, with the leaders in your in your church to discern what does what are we expecting from teenagers who are part of us and how are we enfolding them and welcoming them into the church? Yeah, um, that's right. So, yeah, and like you said, it can look. So many different ways, yeah. Depending on the the context of ministry that you have, depending on what the strengths mm-hmm. of your ministry are, the yep. weaknesses, it's all going to look different depending on the context. Yeah, yeah. So when students come to to youth group or to your youth Bible studies or whatever your your main program is, when students come to that, but they don't go to church, and they're not really a part of your church, they're part of your ministry, but they're not part of your church. What what do students lose when they're disconnected from the church? I always talk about it in 3D models, right? If they come to a youth ministry event, I'm, I'm really glad about that. I'm excited that they're there. Uh, and I can talk about the church and I can teach about the church, right? Hey, open up yeah. the First Timothy 3. Uh, let's, let's, let's open up the word and we, I can talk about it. Um, but they're not going to be able to see it. They're not going to be able to see what it means to actually be a Christian because what it means to be a Christian is to be part of a local body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as a Christian, you are a member of a church and that's what we'll try to teach them at a 2D level from the Bible. But here's, I want to show that to you. And the only way I can show that to you is if you're attending a local body as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a visual learner. Uh, my son's an audio learner, you're audible learner. Uh, I don't understand that. I'm a visual guy. And so I yeah. need to be able to see. So when I teach, I'm, I'm writing things out. I'm on the board, those sorts of things yeah. on an iPad, because I believe that, that if I can see it, I can learn it and understand it better. It's the same way with, with church ministry, right? Uh, the, the Bible gives us a local church for a reason. And it allows us to learn about Christ in a particular way. As you see uh, members of a church interact with one another, Mm-hmm. As you're able to see the order of service, as you're able to see all that goes on, or you're able to see the Lord's Supper and baptism, you're able to see the gospel actually in these visible forms uh, lived out before you, then you can actually understand. Now I understand. Now I understand uh, what it is uh, to be yeah. a Christian. It's not a yeah. theoretical thing anymore. It's not an academic pursuit anymore, but rather I get to see it uh, on, a, on a practical level. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is so important. And um yeah, I understand that there are students who come to our ministries who you know are from unchurched homes and unchurched families, um, and it's difficult, right? It's difficult to to welcome them, uh, to encourage them, sometimes to prod them uh, to come on Sunday morning because you know it's one of the few mornings that when they can sleep in and. They just don't want to come, and they got to assume that it's boring or irrelevant or whatever, right? So, 
Um, but then it, it is always surprising when there's church kids um, who have been um, dedicated, um, who have grown up in Sunday school, who have been ministered to in uh, a host of ways, and then uh, enter the, the teen years. And um, yeah, it's just really sad uh, when they unplug from from the life of the church and just come to the youth stuff. Um, yeah. So, but Mike, that, that's, the, that's the reason why the church membership needs to be have an initiative towards those towards the youth, right? Uh, you know, it's so often I think the church membership sits back, and I was yeah. the same way. Yeah, sits back and, and allows the, the the youth come to us, right? Comes come to me rather than me actually taking an initiative and actually going to them. Wait a second, I see that this kid isn't engaged in church. I wonder if he actually knows an adult here in this church where he can have a, a discipleship relationship with or an evangelistic relationship with him. Mm-hmm. What can I do to, to get this young man or young woman engaged in the life of the church and what we're actually doing as the body of Christ? Okay, so you're spot on. So my question was going to be, so what can the church do <laughs> to minister to those to those students? And, and I, I love I love that. I think that's... That's definitely part of it, right? So how how are we as members reaching out to the to the youth? Um, what what else can the church do um, to really welcome students in, not just as people who are present, uh, but as valued members and contributors to the life of the church? Yes, yeah, great question. At the end of the day, I think it has to start uh, at the has to start with the senior pastor, the lead pastor. Um, he's got to set the agenda for the church. The, the membership of the church always follows the senior pastor, the lead pastor. Uh, if he sees uh, it worthwhile to minister to these young adults or to these, to these youth, uh, the membership will eventually do so as well. And so one thing that we did at Capitol Baptist Church, our senior pastor, Mark Dever, would every Sunday night, so we'd have a Sunday morning service and we'd have a completely different Sunday evening service that, that uh, members would have to come to. So on both sides. Um, and during that Sunday evening service, it was more of a prayer time. And almost every single week he would pray that members of the church would enfold youth into their lives and would take an initiative towards those youth. Mm-hmm. And so it became ingrained upon our hearts that that's what it means to be a member of the Capitol Hill Baptist Church. It's to actually engage intentionally these, these youth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it does start from the, at the pulpit level. Like what, what's the mindset of the, of the pastors, of, of, the, of the elders? Are they behind this initiative to reach, to reach these youth? And then mm-hmm. once that's then given to and taught to the, the members, then the members can look out and say, wait a second, what can I do in my ordinary day life uh, to engage these teenagers? So what I would do, um, even before I was in kind of in full-time youth ministry, uh, is I would try to find kids during the service. Yeah. I could tell we're not paying attention. Yeah. Or I, could, I would try to find kids that were alone. I could tell yeah. they didn't have a really a friend group there at the church, and I would attack them after uh, <laughs> after service. And if you you know if you ever uh, been around a kid, most kids you know they don't like to talk to adults, yeah. especially in this texting age, and especially after yeah, yeah. COVID. Um, so I just talked to them. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I have where I literally just talked to a kid for a good twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly by doing that, they became okay with me. Like this guy actually cares about me. I don't even know what he's talking about, but clearly he has an interest in me. And that's what kids want. They, w- mm-hmm. they want an interest taken in uh, of them. Uh, if we can do that at a, at a membership level, they're likely to engage us 
And when we can engage them in spiritual conversations, as, as well as other conversations as well, suddenly they have then an investment uh, inside what the church is doing. Hey, do you know why we pray in that particular way? Do you know why everyone says amen at the end, uh, at the end of prayers? No, I never thought about that. But now mm-hmm. that I know that you care about me, I, now I'm interested to know. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's really taking that initiative as a church member to, to give yourself over to these kids. And it doesn't take much time. Pick a kid. It doesn't matter what kid. Change the same gender. Uh, pick a kid. And go after that that yeah. that kid, and and you know obviously don't stalk him, but but be <laughs> intentional towards him, uh, and and in doing so, I think you can really get these kids in. So what, so I, I was telling you about this earlier when we um when I when I took over the youth ministry at Capitol Hill, there were four kids in the youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was a youth ministry or a small group or what, whatever it was. It, it was not a full blown youth ministry, um, but I noticed that we had lots of kids in the church. They just weren't part of the youth ministry, uh, and they weren't engaged in the church. Uh, so I just made it like a, my my duty to go and find every kid I could find in the church and make them aware of who I was and make them aware of our youth our youth ministry, uh, knowing that once I got into the youth ministry I could get them involved more in the church because mm-hmm. um, of, of the integration we spoke about yeah, earlier. But yeah. making sure that I could find every every student, got to know them, knew everyone's name, knew their interests. I got to know their parents. That's a big thing too, is oftentimes yeah. we can just go after the students, but we need to know the parents. The parents are the ones that are likely going to drive them to the youth ministry events. So I need to know the parents. I need to have them buy into the youth ministry. I need to know the kids. I need to have the kids buy into the youth ministry. Um, and through that intentional kind of action item, I'm able then to build up this, this youth plethora where they're not only trusting me, but they're actually trusting the church and right. they're involved in and understanding and, and wanting to understand more about life of the church itself. Yeah. I I think that's, yeah. So a few things. When the pastor is publicly affirming the youth and and praying for them, um, I think one thing that many youth workers have experienced is that when teenagers are mentioned by the senior pastor, it's usually as a negative example in a sermon. And what does that implicitly say about teenagers and about the way that they're viewed? Right. So I, I think right. that's, th- this yeah. is a really wonderful alternative to that. Um, I think it also, for the students who are present, uh, it not only motivates the church membership to reach out, um, hopefully, or in time, it warms the students to receive um, members who introduce themselves so yeah. that they think like, oh, this isn't weird. Um, well, it's maybe weird and awkward, but you know, okay, like I kind of get what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because it is uh, something that um, I- I've encouraged whenever we have our, our quarterly members meeting and um, every, <laughs> every single time. Um, I, one of my main things is always just meet kids and learn their names if if you if you don't care if a kid comes into church and no one knows their name and everyone calls them bud <laughs> then they, they aren't known right they're not they, they might be present and they know that people kind of know what family they belong to but they're not known yeah but if a kid comes in and there are just random adults calling them by their name, what does that say? Yeah. Right? It's just a really simple thing that people struggle with names. I'm terrible with names. 
I'm terrible. Uh, but it's just such a simple way that every church member, even if you're not serving in the youth ministry and you're not discipling, you're just you're setting the table for students to know that they are known and that they matter and that they're welcome. So, That's um, so true. Yeah. So, true. so uh, when you think about like ministry structure, right? So uh, how do we, what do we do in our ministry? How do we structure um, the way we evangelize and make disciples? Um, any thoughts or reflections on ways that youth workers can, can structure and program their ministry to enfold students into the life of the church? That's a great question. <sighs> yes, I, I think there's a, a few different things. And, and again, this is all going to kind of depend upon context. Um, uh, at least some things will. Uh, where I would start is just volunteers. Um, I always talked about building a volunteer army. Um, I, I can never have enough volunteers. Mm -hmm. uh, I, think, I think any youth pastor, any youth worker would, would tell you, like, you can yep. never have enough helpers. If I could have a, a volunteer for every single student, that would be amazing because I would get the first 30 <laughs> minutes over them just having conversation, right? There's your building of, uh, of integration yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and discipling relationships. Um, but building that, that volunteer army, I know oftentimes we, we're so focused on getting the kids, which is obviously correct, mm -hmm. uh, but we need the help. Uh, we can't do it uh, on our own. But by building that volunteer army up, uh, you are necessarily then integrating the church into their lives. Yeah. Uh, you're giving volunteers this opportunity then to, to interact in an intentional way uh, with these students. And what we would do is we would, we would provide times uh, in almost intentional ways to, to allow these volunteers to have one-on-one -on -one time with students, uh, whether that be through having what we call activity nights. So we would have an activity night where we wouldn't talk about Jesus at all. Well, that's right or wrong, but we wanted to kind of invite everyone in, have as many volunteers as possible be there and allow them to, to do life together in these fun activities, fun ways, and allow them to have these, these conversations for three, four hours each, each night. And we do that once a month. Um, we would have an intentional kind of conversational time mm -hmm. at the beginning of each uh, regular meeting that we would have uh, 20, 30 minutes where these volunteers were interacting with students, asking them about their lives. Uh, and the more and more and more of these volunteers would have those conversations, the more uh, integrated the two lives would become between the volunteer uh, and, the, and the youth ministry. Yep. And of course, small groups would, would allow the same thing. And so we would use small groups for discussion times. We'd allow that. So, so volunteers would be, be one way we can do that. Yeah. Um, the other way is allowing members of the church, say they don't have the time to be a, a permanent volunteer or a, or a consistent volunteer. And, and, and by the way, if you're listening to this, uh, I would always have my volunteers commit to at least being present for 75% of the time that we have meetings. Yeah. Uh, kids need consistency. They need to know yeah. that you're going to be there. If they don't think you're going to be there, if, the, if you're kind of on and off, they will not open their lives to you. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're going to be there, we need you to be there. We need you to, to buy in. But for those that can't do that, so we had our meetings on Friday nights. So that's a long story. is why we had that. It would never happen in the Midwest, but that's how it happens in the, in the East Coast. <laughs> Uh, uh, sports are not a thing apparently in the East Coast. Yeah. Um, uh, if, if they couldn't buy into that level, okay, how can I set up one-on-one -on -one discipleships, uh, relationships with, with individual members? So right. say they can meet up with a kid once every two weeks at a random time on a weekend. How can I, how can I foster that? Yeah. How can I foster these individual relationships? Now, am I going to be kind of responsible for those relationships? No, I don't want to do that because I can get into legal issues with that. But hey, can I introduce you to somebody who, 
who I think may be of use to you in your life. Yeah. Hey, you have similar interests. Hey, can I introduce you to one another? Hey, can I encourage you guys to meet up regularly one-on-one together and that sort of thing? And so, so either the volunteer route or just kind of engaging in, in kind of an entrepreneurial sense, mm-hmm. uh, making these, these one-on-one uh, interactions happen uh, is huge. Um, the other thing that you can do too, uh, in terms of integration, this goes a little bit uh, outside the realm of kind of one-on-one interaction, is, is, is making sure that you're linking what you're doing back to what the church is doing yeah. at a teaching level. Yeah. All right. And, and so we would teach on a separate lesson um, most of our nights, but I would try to integrate in my teaching, integrate what was being taught on a Sunday morning with what was being also taught at a Friday night uh, youth event um, so that they could see, look, look the, the Bible holds together. And it was really cool when I was teaching from the New Testament and, and Mark was teaching from the Old Testament. Yeah. Because I could, I could almost assuredly put those two pieces together mm-hmm. every time. And they could see, look, there's biblical theology that's going on here. There's a, there's a weaving. Wait a second. You're telling me the Leviticus matches up with Romans? That's crazy. Yeah. You know, having those conversations and in my small group times, I would have I would have these these questions that would integrate what was happening on Sunday morning with what was happening on Friday nights, and so showing them that not only is the Bible linked, but but actually our life as as teenagers and as this youth ministry is actually linked with the broader uh, church life as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are just some some uh, examples. Yeah, no, I love that. I love it when um, providence just happens. And uh, there have been so many times when uh, what the pastor was preaching on Sunday just so lined up um, with what I was going to be speaking uh, that night at youth group. Yeah. And it was just such an easy tie-in um, to make for students. And it just, yeah, again, it's another one of those uh, deliberate, but to the students, it might be subtle. To us, it feels very deliberate. Uh, tie in and link and affirmation to say like, hey, like this whole church thing on Sunday morning, it's for you too. Yeah, it's not just right. for your parents. And I think the other thing too, and I know Mike, you do this well, uh, is helping the students understand that. Look, the the reason why we're here is is to be a you know to, we're talking about Christianity, but to love to love Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So I could get a student who's who may not be a Christian, or I could get a student who is a Christian. Yeah, uh, I, you know where where that falls. That's up for the church to decide. At least yeah. from Baptist, Baptistic ecclesiology. Um, I want to help them understand what it means to be a Christian is to be part of the church and be, yeah. be a member of the church. And so yeah. they should be always looking, like evaluating where they where the relationship with Jesus Christ is. And if they think they're in a position, if they think after discussing with their parents and everything, anybody else in their life that hey, this may be something that uh, I want to pursue. I, I think I may be a Christian, then, then the natural next step is to fully integrate their life into the church by becoming church members. Right. And so helping them understand that church membership is a, is a necessary next step of when you become a Christian. Yeah. And um, I think that, that piece oftentimes gets, gets, gets missed, right? Is we, yes. we, we're evangelizing, we're discipling, but we're not asking the question of, hey, where are you as it regards your, your faith in Jesus Christ? And what does it mean to be a, a true disciple? And does that mm-hmm. mean that you must join a church? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. And even if they're not there yet, have, helping them understand, look, if I ever do become a Christian, that's what I do, because that's what Christians do. Yeah. Uh, and helping them see that there is a link in what we're doing and what the church is doing up here. And it's, there's a, there is a great, great tie between the two. And that's an important question that I think many of us youth workers um, can have with our senior pastors, with our, our elder board or deacon board or whatever your church yes. governance looks like. Uh, it's an important conversation to have there 
uh, to have clarity and alignment about what what do our church leadership want from teenagers and what is their value what is their contribution um and where can they serve right can what would it look like to have a teenager on the missions committee or <laughs> you know serving as a greeter in church or like like how do we enfold students not just to serve in the youth group um but to serve in other capacities throughout the church more than just like the nursery and the children's ministry is usually the go-to, right? So yeah. yes, good, amen, wonderful, beautiful, encourage that, do that. Yeah. But beyond the children's ministry and beyond the the media booth, how are we helping students find areas in the church, not just the youth ministry to serve? I think is a really important question, and I think the membership, the membership issue, um, pertains to that. But that's usually beyond the youth pastor's hands to decide. Yes, uh, yes. But it, it's one that maybe you can prompt sometime in a meeting to discuss together. And one thing to, that members can do uh, to the extent church allows, uh, you know, is, is take the kids along with you to do th- certain yeah. activities, right? So if, if you're going to be, you know, boxing up shoeboxes for, for a ministry, uh, you know, for Christmas, uh, take the kid along with you, with you. You know, you built this relationship. Now come alongside of me as I serve. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, your your faith not, may not be in Christ yet, but I want you to to see what it yeah. looks like to be a Christian and just invite them along. So Mark has this great book, Discipling, uh, from yep. Nine Marks, uh, and he just talks about how he does discipling. And he just takes he goes to the store. He'll take a dude with him. Yeah. If he goes to the bank, he'll take a dude with him. So so finding ways that you can bring alongside these these youth and let them see not only how you do regular life, but how you serve in the life of the church is so so valuable. So what you're saying is that I'll, we can describe discipling as just doing stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty simple, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like we, we overcomplicate so many things. Uh, yeah. Just do stuff together. And if you're a, a mature believer, then the way you do stuff, hopefully, is instructive and different from... Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, as, as we wrap up the conversation, um, I'm thinking about youth workers who are in churches where there's really very little integration. Um, there are many churches where, uh, they have youth group or Sunday school during the worship service. And, um, some of the youth programming is during the gathered worship, um, and maybe, you know, listener, you're, you're hearing this and thinking, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Uh, maybe we should have students actually in church instead of in another program. And I think that's right. I, I think we should have students enfolded at baseline in with our, our worship service. Um, and then from there, looking for ways to to make connections between our students and the life of the church. So thinking um, pastorally and in terms of leadership of those youth workers who want to move in a more integrated method and posture of ministry, how would you recommend them to begin? Like, where do they start? That's a tough question. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah, yeah, right, right. (laughs) 
Well, ultimately, you know, you're under the authority of the, of of your of your leadership, um, and so you're only you can only do as much as your leadership uh, has envisioned and, and wants done. And 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 to some extent, based is based upon their ecclesiology, but in other ways, it could be just more practical uh, understanding of what church life should be. Um, perhaps the the best way to go about that is just asking your leadership questions about how we can. Uh, how, we, how can we integrate the kids more into the life of the church? And here, here are the reasons why I see that's a, that's a good thing. I, I, can't, I can't foreceive a pastor being like, no, it is evil to integrate the <laughs> kids into the life that? of the church. Uh, yeah. So it may not be where you know, you're starting with integration during services, but yeah. perhaps it could be integration in other ways. Hey, uh, is there a way that we can have more volunteers involved? Is there a way, can I help with that? Can I help get, get kind of rally the troops more? Is there a way that we can, build up our one-on-one disciple uh, in the church is, do you mind if I present one morning or one evening uh, about this opportunity to, to disciple children or, or youth in our church? Um, is there, a, do you mind pastor, if I bring along, you know, uh, Joe uh, as we go to this, uh, this short-term mission trip, or do you mind if I bring him along as we do this inner city uh, uh, ministry? Um, yeah. And allow, and start to start to see that and, and naturally kind of seed that into the life of the, of the church, and hopefully, then the leadership will will see the fruit that's coming from that. Uh, can see the at least, if not that, maybe the the practical nature of that, and allow them to, to perhaps see uh, the utility of of bringing in the students uh, for for more uh, aspects and life uh, kind of cycles of the church as well. Yeah, I think that's really wise counsel um, because I, I think the tendency would be to think, well, I need to cancel everything and just go wholesale. <laughs> right. And, um, I've done, I've made changes that way. And every leadership book you read says, make changes slowly over a period of time. And sometimes when you're convinced that what you're doing is not biblical and there's a dove, another, it's a biblical model. So we're just, we need to stop being unbiblical and we need to be more biblical and you just make the change. Um, <laughs> it's still like there are, the Lord is very patient with us in our sanctification <laughs> in moving us out of sin um, and out of things that are non-biblical into what faithfulness looks like, right? So if if the Lord is patient with us, then we should be patient with our ministries and with our churches in making these types of changes too. So uh, yeah, that's just right. an admonition to uh, be deliberate, make progress, advocate for progress, but be patient. <laughs> and if it that's means right. That's right. if it means making a change for uh, once a quarter or once a month for a season um, to start showing the value and the importance of this, then then do that until you can eventually get to the place where you're you're more integrated and uh, and connected into the life of the church. So that's a good word. Yeah. Um, so as, as we wrap up this conversation, any uh, final word or um, reflections or encouragements along the way? Uh, well, I'll say this. Youth workers, youth pastors, whoever's listening to this that is involved with youth ministry, it's, I know it's, it is a challenging field. There's a reason why most, most youth pastors burn out, um, youth workers burn out. Uh, it's because you, you dedicate so much time to these youth. So I many hours upon hours. I did the math with our hours the other day with one of our, um, uh, one of our long-term volunteers. And it was like, it was in the uh, six figures in terms of the hours that yeah. they had put in over the years. Um, maybe I was a little, maybe a little generous. Uh, but 
you get no return oftentimes on that. You know, yeah. a student will walk away from the Lord. The student will have, you know, be interested when they're a seventh grader, but by the time they're 11th grader, even though they've been working with you, they suddenly have no interest in Jesus. Um, there's never a thank you. I mean, rarely ever is there a thank you, right? Thank you for mm-hmm. giving up your Friday night or your Wednesday evening to, to minister to me and, and give up your life for me. Um, but just know the Lord sees that. He, he knows what you are doing. He's honored by what you are doing. Um, we can get, sometimes get stuck by looking at the fruit of our ministry. Um, and, but that's not what we should be looking at primarily, right? Is we want to look at the faithfulness of our ministry. And so youth worker, youth pastor, uh, you, you are being faithful to the Lord. You are doing a good work. Uh, he is looking at you saying, well done, my, my good and faithful servant. Uh, and let that, let that encourage you to go forward in the years to come because there is, there is such a need for youth ministry workers. Uh, there is such a need because the children and the youth need someone and you are that someone. Uh, without you, um, there's a, just a dearth and there's a wasted opportunity uh, for the sake of Jesus. And so thank you for the work that you're doing. Let me encourage you. The Lord knows what you're doing. Uh, you don't work obviously for thanks. Uh, you work ultimately for, for God's glory. And, and, I, and, I, and I thank you for that. Yeah, well, that's a good word. Thank you, brother. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Um, and so, listeners, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for listening. Um, if you haven't heard yet, uh, Youth Pastor Theologian recently published a free book uh, that's available on our website called Youth Ministry is Theological Ministry. It's a collection of 10 articles uh, that we have edited and compiled into a free resource for you. Uh, so if you subscribe to the website, uh, then you'll get an email with a link to download the book. The first section focuses on thinking theologically about youth ministry. And the second section has articles helping equip you to teach theologically in youth ministry. And so I'd encourage you to go get that resource, read it. And if you are uh, like what you're reading, then share it with another youth worker, share it with your volunteer team, read, discuss it together, and it's our gift to you to help equip you to uh, practice theology in youth ministry. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.